0: We can all make our way to our seats. Thank God that on a Friday night, on lockdown, the government said this is an essential gathering. Amen? And while we're here, just a few housekeeping. Um, If we can all just make sure family sits together, and you're about six feet apart, so essentially one side of the the pew, other side of the pew. Try to have no one in the middle. We all look good tonight. I'm excited to be here. Is anyone else excited to be here? There's uh, someone very special to many coming to this desk tonight. Um, It was funny. We were having an impromptu meeting. And I asked Brother Sforlaza, so who's preaching for the third? And he was like, I still don't know. Do you want to? And a lot of me was like, Mm. but then this person was standing right next to me. And I said, I think she has a word. And she thanked me, right? You were so thrilled. Doesn't she look thrilled? Everyone just clap for her. I'm excited to introduce um, one of my closest friends. She's faithful. She's living a life of righteousness and holiness that is acceptable unto God, a a lifestyle we should all be striving to live, amen? And I just wanna encourage Sister Aberjean Moore to come to this desk, Aberjean, preach the word. Everyone say, preach the word. God. (laughs)
1: Um, I'm definitely grateful for the amazing people in my life. Um, So, before I start, I just want to say thank you to Brother Svelaza, Pastor Svelaza, sorry, (laughs) Um, for believing in me to have the ability to, well, share what God has. Also for Sister Clark <laughs> for having the sensitivity to um, be able to say, I-, "I think God's been working on her." And she was right. She was definitely right. God had been working on me for a while. So hopefully with the hope, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I will share what God has for you guys tonight. Um, I'm going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, if you'd all stand for the reading. It says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And my title tonight is going to be The Voice in the Mirror. If we could all just pray one more time that God would give us the ears to hear. Lord, in the name of Jesus, have your way in this place. understanding, oh God. Lord, help us to see the promises that you have laid before us, God, and to prepare ourselves, God, to show your holiness, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, speak to us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to go a little slow tonight. I have a lot of scriptures, but bear with me, because the scripture is the word of God. It's the voice of God speaking to us i like to go to Romans chapter 7, verse 11 through 12, and you can be seated. <laughs> Romans chapter 7, verse 11 through 12. It says, for sin taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. And like I said, I'm going to go a little slow. I have more scriptures, but I'm going to just kind of break them down for you guys. So this one, it says, for sin taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. So sin, we all know that there's sin in this world, and we all know that we have all sinned. But do we know what sin is? Obviously, we know the, the, the simple ones like don't murder people because that's bad and don't lie, don't steal. Those are all pretty obvious sins, but sin is a deceiver, yeah. and the scripture says it right here. It deceived me, and it slew me by that deceiving. Yeah. So we can't be ignorant of what sin is. We can't just take it at face value and say, well, I didn't murder anybody, so I'm not a sinner, because you are, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that's not to say that there's no hope for us. Because Christ came, God manifested himself in flesh and he came and he died for our sins so that we might have the ability to get to heaven. Amen. So yes, we are all sinners, but we're, we're apostolic. We're not, we're not ignorant to Satan's devices. <laughs> we know. We know that there is sin, and we know that we have to fight that sin. Let me continue. I'm going to go Romans chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. And I'm going to jump down to verse 17. Verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. And then I'm going to jump down to verse 21. It says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And I know I just read a lot, but basically what that's saying is, My flesh, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears, they all want to do what's wrong. My hands, they wanna touch things that they shouldn't touch. My feet, they wanna go places that I know I shouldn't go. My eyes, they want to see things that they shouldn't see. And my ears, they want to listen to things that they shouldn't listen to. But my inner man, which Basically, my mind, my soul, my spirit, the things that are in me, they want to do what's right. They want to do the law of God, but constantly they're at war with my flesh. And my my hands are constantly at war with what my mind is telling me I should do. And those things that I know I should do, I still don't do. I constantly am at war with my flesh. But... I know that. I'm not ignorant to that. I know that I constantly have to war against these things. And because of that, I'm constantly in prayer. I'm constantly asking God, Lord, give me the strength to overcome my flesh. I'm constantly fasting to strengthen my spirit. Because when I strengthen my spirit, God is able to use the things that I do, the, the, the times that I'm, fla- I'm fasting and I'm praying and I'm in the spirit. God's able to say, flesh, you don't control her. You don't have dominion. <laughs> Romans chapter 6 and verse 12 through 14. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. And it's like I just said, my members... My members, my hands, my feet, my my eyes, my ears, they all want to do these things, but they don't have dominion over me. I control them because I'm prayed up and I'm fasted up, and I know that there is a God that is stronger than any of my flesh. If you compromise your standards in any way, even the slightest little thing, you give room to sin to be able to deceive you. It's really easy to well, it's not that bad, right? It's just a little white lie. Like, nobody's getting hurt, right? Wrong. That's a sin. That is strengthening your flesh against your spirit when you allow those things. Imagine that you're swimming. If you follow the plan of God, the waters are beautiful and crystal clear. You can see all the way to the ocean floor. And you know exactly what's in there swimming with you. You can see the fishes. Now, I personally don't like the fishes near me because they're slimy. But you can see them, right? So you know when you're walking, you're not going to step on any sharp things. And, and you can see. You can see all the way down to the bottom. You can see the beautiful fish that are swimming nearby. There's, there's dolphins in the water. And it's just beautiful. But... If you try to do things your own way and you try to compromise and say, well, it's not that bad. And, and it, it's still the will of God. It's just not exactly what he said. If you try to force your will onto God and you refuse to have accountability and you refuse to be obedient to the standards that your man of God has placed, those waters, they begin to get murky. They begin to get a little bit muddy and, and, and you kind of lose vi- visibility. You can't quite see all the way down to the bottom now. It's, it's a little bit green, right? I mean, you can still see like your hand moving in the water, but, but you don't know what's on the bottom. You don't know what's swimming with you. Maybe there's alligators you can't see them because the water is dirty and it, it just keeps getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier the more you compromise until it's almost like you're swimming in this black sludge and and you can't even feel the bottom anymore it's you're you're trying so hard to get back to the shore but it's like it's getting heavier and harder to swim it's getting harder to move and it's You have no idea what's in there with you. What's getting ready to reach out and grab you and pull you down to the bottom till the water's above your head and you can't breathe anymore. But thank God for repentance. Thank God for a place of repentance. Because God made a way. When the first man sinned, it was like all these things came crashing down on him. And it was like he couldn't lift his feet anymore. It was so hard. Before, before they sinned, they were walking in this beautiful garden. And, and they could eat of any tree that they wanted to. They had so many options. It was beautiful. And they could talk with God every day face to face. They knew him. They had a relationship with him. And then they sinned and they were cast out. That sin was like a black mark on their soul. But God, he wanted to be able to talk with us still. He wanted to be able to commune with us still. He still wanted there to be a way for us to make it to heaven. And like I said, he sent himself clothed in flesh. Christ came and he died for us so that we might have life. And that we might have it more abundantly. So there's a place of repentance that we can come to. And God, he's able to make those dirty, murky waters crystal clear again. Thank you, Jesus. But see, the thing is, he never meant for us to have to swim in those waters. He never meant for us to have to know what it's like to swim in uncertainty. To question everything in our lives. To question every person in our lives. For there not to be trust. For for us not to be able to look somebody in the eye and know that they don't have something against us, that they don't want evil for us. He never meant for us to have to wade through those waters. So even though he, when we come to repentance, when we ask God, please cleanse us, purify us, there, yes, he's able to heal those wounds, but sometimes when you get a cut, it heals, but it leaves a mark, right? A scar. How many people in here have scars? I have a few. Yeah. God never meant for us to have scars. And yes, he's able to make those water crystal clear again and beautiful and glorious, but we still sometimes have those scars. And a lot of times those scars will try to define us and tell us who we are. You can go ahead and bring out that first thing. They try to tell us that, well, you've been too many places and... And even though God, you know, yeah, he forgave you of those things, he's still not able to use you, right? There's too much dirt on your soul. I've seen too many things. I, I've watched those things that I, I knew I wasn't supposed to watch them, but I watched them anyways. And, and yeah, I asked God to forgive me, but he hasn't, I mean, he forgave me, but can he really get rid of those scars too? They're still visible, People can still see them. When people look at me, do they, do they see holiness or do they see my past? God can't use me. I can't sing front line because there are people here who knew me before I came to church. There are people here who knew me when I first came and I, I was still wearing pants and, and I was still watching TV and I was still doing all these things that, that the Bible says not to do, but I didn't know. I didn't know back then, but somebody told me. Somebody preached the gospel to me, and, I, and when I heard it, I, I knew that I had to change something. I had to get something right. I had to get rid of those things. <laughs> and thank God, I found an altar and God worked on me and, and he started showing me these things in the Bible that say to purify yourselves, to keep yourselves holy. And, and I was like, God, how do I do that? I've already, I've already corrupted this temple. But God is able to cleanse, right? And he did. He purified me, right? So, yeah, I have these scars. I have these marks on me. They're still there, but when I look in the mirror, is that all I see? The voices in my head, they're so loud. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I've been too many places. I've seen too much. I'm not smart enough for God to put me behind the pulpit to preach. I mean, I don't have a good enough voice to be able to sing, right? God wants something special. God wants something beautiful, and, and I don't see that. see when i look in the mirror how could god use that but you know what this isn't what god sees all of these things they're they're obscuring what god really sees if i allow these voices to be loud and 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 if i believe what they say then i can't see what god sees if I listen to what these voices have to say, I can't see anything. I, I can't even see whether I look like that because the mirror is so obscured. I, I can barely even see what I'm wearing in this. How could, how could this be how God sees me? It's not because God doesn't hear these voices. God, God knows truth. He's not deceived by sin. This is the voice of those sins that I committed. These are the voices of all those things that I've done that God already forgave me of. I don't have to listen to that. That does not define who I am. God has so much better sight than me. I mean, obviously, I have to wear glasses to see. But God, he has 20-20 vision. He sees so much better, right? But you ask, I'm not really sinning, am I? I mean, what is sin really? Is it, it's not just murder and stealing. The biblical definition of sin is missing the mark. What does that mean though? To try and give you guys an example, think think of a bow and an arrow being shot at a target, right? The goal, when you aim, you're aiming at that target, but where specifically are you aiming? You're aiming for the bullseye, right? I mean, yeah, it's cool if you hit the target, but if you hit the bullseye, that's awesome. And that's the goal of any archer, is to hit the, the bullseye dead center right in the middle. And yeah, if you hit anywhere else on the target, you technically still get points and it counts, right? And I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to clubs and I'm not, I'm not listening to worldly music, really. It's just country music. I mean, what's the big deal? It's not like, you know, I'm listening to X-rated music or whatever the bad one is. I don't even know. Um, And it's, it's not cursing. It's just It's just talking about, you know, my girlfriend and my boyfriend and and that. It's not a big deal. It's not like I'm actually going and doing it. I'm just listening to it. Well, you might still be hitting the target, but you're not hitting the bullseye, that's for sure. And what was the definition of sin? Missing the mark. The mark is the bullseye. Yeah, I'm still praying. I'm still fasting. I'm still reading my Bible. But, well, I spend about 13 hours a day on YouTube. I don't watch TV. I don't. I don't have a TV. But, but like, you know those funny videos where like somebody falls and hurts themselves and there's like a million of them that play over and over again? That's not sin, is it? I mean, how could that be sin? Not hitting the bullseye. Yeah. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Yeah, I, I still come to church and I sit on a pew and I, I preach with the preacher. Amen. Right? You preach with the preacher. But, you know, is it really so bad if I, you know, read that book that, you know, Talks about illicit relationships and pregnancy oh outside of marriage. and I mean, it's, okay, here's one. It's on the school reading list. How could that be bad? But <laughs> is that edifying in the least? What's, what's one of them that's on, on there? I think, I think, what is it, Lord of the Flies or something like that? I mean, it's, it's a, it's, school tells you it's a good book. And this is, this is education, right? It's educational. But where once does it talk about God? Does, it, does what you're reading line up with what your pastor's preaching? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to condemn you guys. I'm not trying to say you guys are terrible and you're all going to hell. Because... We have the Holy Ghost, right? We have the key to the kingdom. We know how to get to the kingdom of God. We know that we have to be born again. And what does that mean? That means being baptized in Jesus' name. We know that we have to rise again with him, right? We know that we have to get the Holy Ghost. And, and the Holy Ghost is the only way for us to live this life and not fall into those sins. Because how, how can anyone expect you to be perfect? It's impossible. The only reason that God had to come and manifest himself in flesh and die for our sins was because we couldn't do it ourselves. There was no possible way for us to be perfect, to be the propitiation for our sins. And God knows that's why he loved us enough that even though he knew we were going to make mistakes, God God knew each and every one of you before you were born before you were even, before your parents were born. He knew you thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago. And he knew every mistake that you would make. He knew where you would go when, he, when you shouldn't have gone there. He knew all of this, and yet, and yet, he still came, and he still suffered on a cross for you. I mean, that is love. That is love. So our goal is not just to hit the target. Praise God when we hit the target. But we should strive for more than that. I want to hit the bullseye. I want to to fulfill the perfect will of God. Not just the will. The perfect will. Because God has so much better planned for me than I could ever imagine for myself. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 9. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of us none of us So to be carnally minded is against God But how do we how do we not be I mean we live in this flesh every day how are we not supposed to be carnally minded But it says but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. We need the spirit of God to dwell in us. That's the only way for us to overcome this flesh. But God's spirit, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory, the Bible tells us that that dwells in the temple of God, right? Well, what is the temple of God? Well, it used to be in the Old Testament that the, glo- the glory of God dwelt in the temple, which was an actual physical building. Yeah. And there are plenty of stories in the Bible that talk about when somebody would corrupt the temple. What happens then? For example, the temple that Moses built, it was beautiful, but it wasn't beautiful on the outside. Any temple that you read about, it wasn't adorned on the outside. There was no flashy gold plating. It, was, it just looked normal. It, it looked like every other tent. But on the inside, the inside was where it was beautiful. You walk in and you're just in awe. It was glorious. It was bright and shining. And, and, and the Bible says the glory of God is like a light shining from within. So when you walk into that temple, it was almost like you had to shield your eyes because it was so beautiful. But when it would be corrupted, God God will never dwell in a temple that has been corrupted. And when the temple would become corrupted, the glory would leave. It would leave the temple. Sometimes it would dwell nearby in the hopes that the temple would be cleansed but sometimes it would just leave altogether. It talks, the Bible talks about how the glory dwelt near the temple, but eventually it went up into the mount. In the Old Testament, the glory dwelt in a physical temple, in a building, basically. And then when Christ came, Christ embodied the glory of God. And so the glory dwelt in Christ. It didn't have to dwell in the temple anymore. It was in Christ. And then when Christ died, he made a way for the glory to dwell in us. And so now, now we don't need a tent. We are the temple of God. We are where the glory dwells. And all of those attributes of the glory from before, they're exactly the same now. The glory shines. It's like a light from within. The outside of the temple, it looked like any normal thing. But the inside was beautiful. The outside of our temple, we have clothes, but we don't have to wear expensive clothes. We don't have to do these crazy, fancy hairstyles. We don't have to have Rolex. We don't have to wear makeup. We don't have to wear jewelry. We don't need the outward adornment because the inside is gorgeous. It is show-stoppingly gorgeous. And it shines from within. The Bible says that you are a light to this world. So you have to protect that temple. Because remember, when the temple is corrupted, the glory leaves. And that, that, beauty, that beauty, that shining, that leaves with the glory. It doesn't, it doesn't stay there. It doesn't linger. in Genesis God separated the light from the darkness from the very beginning light and darkness never mingled there was always a separation and it wasn't a, there wasn't a confusing line in between it wasn't it wasn't kind of like skewed at all it was a straight line There was no mingling. There was no confusion about where that line was. It was light and it was darkness. There was no gray in the middle. And so we, as the temple of God, practice separation. And that doesn't, separation is a solid line. It's straight. There are no curves, no angles. You can't can't say, this is the line here but then it kind of curves out this way. And, and I can go this way a little bit. But I'm, I'm still behind the line, right? N- n- no. No. That's not how it works. This line is straight. Even, even if my hand is over it, my feet are still on the right side. Nope. My hand is over that line. My hand is over here in darkness. You have for, to protect every part of your body. Because every part of it is a part of the temple. Your hands your feet, your eyes, your ears, your heart, your mind. Remember those scriptures that we read in the beginning, how my inward man wants to do the law of God? Well, what happens when I corrupt that mind? I can't see that line quite as clearly as I could before. I've let unsaved family members talk me into things, and, and it's not It's not really a sin if your shirt goes right at your elbow, right? I mean, the pastor, yeah, the preacher said that women are supposed to wear skirts and they're supposed to go all the way down to their knee, below their knee, actually, crazy. And their shirts are supposed to go below their elbow. Like, that's a lot. We live in Florida. Come on, seriously? You're going to wear, you're going to wear that It's 95 degrees outside. I'm pretty sure that the preacher isn't going to care if your shirt comes a little bit above your elbow and your skirt comes a little bit above your knee. It's hot. And for men? Yeah, your pastor says to wear pants every day. Come on. Can't I just wear shorts around the house? I mean, nobody's going to see it. Girls, can't I just wear pajama pants? I mean... Nobody's going to see me wearing them. Where is your line drawn? More specifically, where has your pastor drawn the line? In the Bible, God tells, I believe it was Moses, to build a fence. (laughs) You don't even know what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, around the mountain. Yeah, okay, yeah, it was Moses. (laughs) God tells him to make a border around the mount, right? But where does a mountain start? (laughs) I mean, where does a mountain start? It's like a slope, right? So it just, it slopes, and then, like, is there just, like, a definitive line? Like, right here, where all of a sudden, shoo, it goes straight up right here. That's, That's where the mountain starts, for sure, for sure. Have any of you guys been up close to a mountain? mean I haven't because I live in Florida and there's not even a hill here but you can imagine it right like I mean you're looking at it from I mean miles and miles away and you're just all you see is like okay yeah it looks straight right it looks like there's like a definitive line and then you get closer and you get closer and that definition starts to fade and you keep going and you're like okay where does this thing start and then you turn around and you're like how did I get up here? So where does a mountain start? Moses is over here. Well, OK, God, you told me to make this line, right? And you told me to make it around the, mount, the mountain. But where exactly? Is it over here that I should build it? Is it over here that I should build it? I want to be obedient, but how? So. Moses was the man of God. And God, he gave him instruction. But you know what? Moses is like, well, I'm not gonna take the chance that that's not quite right. So I'm gonna come way back here. Yep. Nope, I'm gonna go a little further. Right here, I think is good. Yeah, this is a good place to build. So we build it here. Moses is the man of God. And he tells the people, Do not pass. Go. (laughs) Do not collect $200. Right here, do not go over there. I'm going to go over there, but (laughs) you know what I mean. Do not pass that line, right? So they had to obey. Now, maybe some of them were like, Moses, that is not where the mountain starts. It starts over here. Hello, it starts here. Why do we have to stay all the way back over there? Why do I have to? Okay, really Moses, is that necessary? Is that necessary? Come on, you be an extra. But no, your man of God, when he draws a line, that you do not pass that line. It doesn't matter what your mind tells you. It doesn't matter what your parents tell you. Do not pass this line. And amazing, if your parents, I'm not telling you not to listen to your parents. If your parents tell you, Mm-mm, the line isn't over there where Pastor drew it. It's over here. Well, better yet, listen to this line. Because now you don't have a chance of passing that one. <laughs> Stay over here. That line, that's drawn, even if it's not visible, it's drawn. And if you pass it, even if a finger, I mean. just my finger, chop it off. <laughs> because the Bible says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, chop it off. If, if there's something that keeps nagging at you and telling you, just, I mean, just, just a little bit. It's not a big deal. If you have a friend that's telling you, come on, it's not a big deal. It's just, it's just two steps. Two steps over the line. I mean, what's going to happen? If you have friends that are telling you that, they are not your friends. You better be like, look, I love you, but I'm not going over that line. I can still see you from over here, hi. Ooh, they're about to get struck by lightning, I'm going to back up. If you have family members that are telling you it's not a big deal to wear shorts, I mean. Again, you live in Florida. It's hot. Y'all, I'm sweating right now, okay? It is hot in Florida. Don't listen to those voices. If the voice is telling you something that doesn't line up with your Bible, and that doesn't line up with what your man of God tells you, it's not a voice you should listen to. Those voices in the mirror, that wasn't what my pastor was saying. My pastor wasn't telling me, you are never going to be able to be used of God because you did this and that and this and that. No, what I hear over the pulpit is God is able to do anything. God can use you. And it doesn't matter where you've been in your past. It matters where you are now. It matters if you're living your life for Christ now. God looks at it now and he sees your heart. He sees the desires of your heart. And he knows that you want to do right. And you know what? God will use that for the glory and the edifying of his kingdom. That's what I hear over the pulpit. That doesn't line up with what the mirror was telling me, though. But when we get rid of all those voices, when we finally come to the realization that they're not true. All of those things that are telling me that I'm not good enough and I can never do those things. Trust me, guys, I had a rough week because there was a whole lot of voices in my head telling me, You can't get up there and preach. You don't know enough about the Bible. You don't know enough scripture. I mean, really, who's going to believe you of all people? Like, you can't preach about holiness. There have been some outfits that you've worn that, well, you should not have worn. Let's just say that. I mean, there were so many voices in my head telling me that I couldn't do this and I would never be good enough. And I, I mean, so many voices. But the voice of God, it's a still, small voice. And when you have all of those other voices screaming at you, it's really tough to distinguish, well, which one is the voice of God? Is it the one that's telling me, you better call Brother John and tell him that you should not do this because you are not holy enough? You are not worthy to be up there. God can't use you. And like... Yeah. Is that the voice that you should listen to? Is that the voice of God? Cuz I mean, sometimes sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it's like, well, I mean, you really you forgot to pray yesterday. You really shouldn't do this. Like it's it's in the best interest of everyone. Because I mean, if you get up there without having prayed yesterday, then some stuff's going to come out of your mouth and it's going to be carnal. And other people are going to be like, well, I guess I never should listen to the preaching ever again. Sometimes it makes sense. So who do you listen to? How do you recognize the voice of God in all of that mess? How do you recognize which one's telling the truth? Well, the word of God doesn't contradict itself. Am I right? It does not contradict itself. And the word of God, the voice of God in your head, those words will always line up to your Bible. They will always line up to what your man of God says. Because the word doesn't contradict. So if there's any contradiction, even the slightest, check it. Search the scripture to show yourself approved. But when we practice holiness and we practice separation... We are the temple of God. When we get the Holy Ghost, that's God dwelling in us. When we get baptized in Jesus' name, his name is over our lives. I was reading a book, and it's, it says the dwelling, the name, and the glory will all be together in one place. They're never separated. It's almost like they're synonymous terms. So when you have the glory of God, that's when you have the name on you. That's when God dwells in you, the dwelling, the name, the glory. When they preach the gospel to you, somebody maybe came to you on outreach and they said, you have to be baptized in Jesus' name, right? Well, that's the name right there. Well, I want that. So I come and I get baptized in Jesus' name and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost with the utterance speaking in tongues. Well, the Holy Ghost is God's spirit, right? And that spirit is in me, speaking through me. So not only do I have the name, but I also have God dwelling in me. I have the glory of God in me at that moment. And I am the temple of God. But how do I remain that temple? How do I stay clean enough for God to continue to dwell in me? Well, holiness. And I'm not gonna get super in depth with it, but I will say holiness is not the outward adorning of the flesh. It's not, it is important to practice holiness standards according to what your man of God says. So, for us, we wear skirts as ladies, and men, you wear pants. The obvious things, but the inside, the inside is what not a lot of people talk about, not a lot of people know. The inside is what has to be pure, too, because the inside is where God is dwelling. So, Corinthians 6 verse 16, I believe. Well bless God <laughs> Got it? Okay. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Do you have 17? Yes. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It says to be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. And that's, it's easy to understand it saying, well, I'm not going to touch that with my hands, right? But it's more than that. It also means your eyes. Your eyes shouldn't see the unclean thing. Your ears shouldn't hear the unclean thing. It's every part of your body that has to be separated for God. It has to remain holy for God. First Timothy 2 verses nine through 10. It says, in like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. Not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly apparel, but which becometh women. Nope, never mind, I'm not gonna read that. Anyways, so it says modest apparel. We don't need fancy, shiny hair pieces. We don't need gold and pearls and all of those things. We don't have to wear that to be beautiful. We don't have to wear makeup to be beautiful. We have something inside of us that's so much better. It's so much more beautiful than the world tries to tell us. The world tries to tell us that you have to be super skinny. You have to, you have to look like a model. You have to have super bright red lips and, and eyeshadow and, and your hair has to be done. And, and, and it can't be that long because it just gets frizzy. And, and if you have you know, split ends, you have to cut those off because those aren't good looking. But the Bible specifically tells us we don't need any of that. And you know what? There's someone in the Bible who's a really good example. I think Sister Hammond talked about her last week. Sarah, Abraham's wife. You know, she was considered one of the most beautiful women at her, in her time. The most beautiful. And you know what? What? <laughs> um, it was to the point where Abraham and Sarah were traveling to Egypt and Abraham was scared for his life. He was like, hey, Sarah, um, I think the best course of action is when we get to Egypt, just pretend like you're my sister because I really, I mean, you're really pretty and I don't want someone to kill me in order to get to you. So let's just say that you're my sister. She was so beautiful that Abraham was scared for his life. She was so beautiful that kings, princes, they were like, whoa, whoa. When she walks into it in the door, they stopped and they stared. Kings who had so many other pretty people to look at. I mean, they were dressed up like, they had all kind of fancy headpieces and gold and, and shiny stuff. And I mean, th- I'm sure they looked, well, I'm sure th- that the king thought they looked good. But when Sarah walked in, he was like, whoa. And Sarah wasn't wearing any jewelry. Sarah didn't have any makeup on. She was clothed in meekness. She wasn't wearing some crazy, fancy, elaborate outfit. She just had, she had something that the other ones didn't have. But what was that? It was the glory on the inside. The glory of God was shining in her. And she had a revelation. I don't need those things because eventually, I'm gonna get old. And those things are gonna fade away. And no matter how much makeup I put on, I'm still gonna look old. No matter how much Botox I get, I still ain't gonna look right. But what she knew was, I have a beauty. I have, I have something that it defies time. It doesn't matter how many years pass. It's still, it's gonna be the same. That glory doesn't change. That light doesn't change. 40 years down the road, Abraham is gonna look at Sarah and see the exact same thing because it's that exact same glory that's dwelling in her. So we practice modesty. We practice holiness. We practice separation from the world. And it's not just so that we can feel pretty. It's so that we can be able to be a temple of God. Because like I said, he won't dwell in a temple that's been that's been corrupted he won't choose to dwell there so we constantly come to an altar and we repent and we say god clean me clean me of those things help me to do better help me to do right and when we do when we seek after the spirit then we look in the mirror and we can actually see can see my hand now. You can see what I'm wearing. This is what God sees. When we're seeking after the spirit, we can see what God sees. And we can see I don't need I don't need to paint on lipstick. I don't need to put on jewelry. Look at how much better this mirror looks without all that mess on it. Right? I mean, when it's crystal clear, it's so much prettier. When we put on those things, all we're doing is covering up the glory. When we, when we try to wear flashy shoes and, and, you know, have this crazy elaborate hairstyle, all we're doing is taking attention away from the light shining through us. We don't need those things. We're so much better looking without them. <laughs> the glory of God is the most beautiful thing on the planet. It's the most beautiful thing we could ever achieve. So how do we achieve that? We live a life against sin. We don't live for sin. We practice. We practice and practice and practice. And We're always going to be sinners because we always have to live in this flesh. But when we have the Holy Ghost, when we have the spirit of God dwelling in us, we have so much more strength to be able to overcome those things. So I'm not gonna listen to the voices in my head that tell me I'm not enough, that tell me I can never do those things or be those things. Because when I'm listening to those voices, All it is is taking my attention away from what God's trying to tell me that I am. And when God is telling me what I am, that's what I really am. So I'm going to choose to listen to the voice of God. I want to fall in love with the voice of God. I want to be able to recognize the voice when all of those other things are trying to crowd my mind. I want to be able to recognize the voice of God. And in order to do that, I have to have a relationship with him. I have to talk with him daily. Because... When you love someone, you want to talk to them all the time, right? When you ha- okay, when you have a best friend, and if you guys both have phones, you are texting nonstop. Am I right? I know I text my friend all the time. Literally, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, hey, what you doing? <laughs> you talk all the time. And, and if I call my friend, and somebody else answers her phone, I'm going to be like, who is this? This is not Camila. Who stole her phone? Because I know her voice. I talk to her so much that I know her voice. So, if you really want to know God's voice, talk to Him. Talk to Him all the time. Every moment that you get, talk to Him. And you know what else? You know what? A crazy revelation. The Word of God. Whose voice is that? This is the voice of God in writing. You can read your Bible and get to know the voice. I struggled for a long time because I was trying so hard to do right. And I kept asking God, well, what do I do? What decision do I make in this time? I I want to do what you want me to do, but I don't know what you want me to do. Speak to me, please. Just say something. And I wouldn't hear anything. And for a long time, I always, I would hear the voices that say, well, God's not going to talk to you because you're not holy enough. (laughs) And I had the revelation that the voices weren't true. And I tried my best not to believe them. But sometimes you're just like, well, I guess if he's not going to talk to me, he'll talk to pastor, right? He'll talk to first lady, right? So maybe... Maybe just stop trying to listen to him and and just ask them because they'll be able to hear it, right? And I I did. I gave up trying to ask for it because I couldn't hear I couldn't hear the answer. And I was so worried. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess, I, I know I tried, but I can't hear the voice of God, so I'll just ask First Lady what she thinks. Because she talks to God all the time. She knows his voice and And, man, he talks back to her. And I guess he just doesn't want to talk to me. I dealt with that for a long time. But I was doing some Hope Corps homework, and one of the lectures that I was listening to, they said something, and I can't remember the exact words, but... I was looking in the wrong spot. I was trying to hear some audible voice, you know, in the narrations. The voice of God is always the super deep, powerful, amazing voice. The voice of God. And I wasn't hearing that. And so I just assumed that God wasn't speaking. But the preacher in that lecture, (laughs) it's a simple revelation. I just never thought of it this is the voice of God. And how could I expect God to just have this booming voice to tell me what I needed to hear when I wasn't even opening my Bible to try and find the answer? I, w- I wasn't even trying to look. I was just like, well, God, tell me. I mean, I want to know. I'm listening. And God's like, I'm trying to tell you. Just open the word and I'll lead you to it. I'm trying to tell you, but I, I can't just have this booming voice whenever somebody wants an answer, or else they're never going to search for me. All of the answers are in here. Every single last answer you could ever, ever, every single last question you could ever have, the answer is in here. And all you have to do is say, God, I need an answer. Lead me. And he will talk to you. He will tell you. You don't have to listen to those voices anymore. Listen to the voice of God. Be obedient to the scripture. And you'll be obedient to God. When you're not sure of something, go to the scripture. And look for the answer here. And if you're still not sure, if you found something and and, and you can't quite comprehend it, then go to your man of God and say, hey, I know God's trying to talk to me. Oh, it's in here. I just can't quite figure it out. And you know what? Pastor will, maybe he'll be like, well, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. You, you've got the right scripture. It's telling you this. And you're like, you're right. I never thought of that. <laughs> that's, that's embarrassing because it's super simple. But you know, sometimes you need a little help. Go to your Bible study teacher and say, hey, I have a question. And I know I probably should know the answer, but it's, I don't know, okay? And it's, not, it's okay not to know. It's okay to ask questions. But these, this is where you should go first. This is where you should look for the answer first. your Bible, talk to God, you'll be surprised what you learn. You'll be surprised what he teaches you.
0: If we can stand all over this house and make our way down to this altar. Tonight.